Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to get ready for the day's action. From the sides to the totals and everything in between. Nobody does it better than the tough cover with Mark Henry, right here on The Gambler. Look in my eyes, what do you see? The cult of personality. I know your anger, I know your dreams. I've been everything you wanna be. Oh, I'm the cult of personality. Hello and welcome to the Tough Cover Radio Show with your host, as always, Mark Henry Jr. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. And we've got a very special guest with us for the entire show on the ones and twos, giving us takes behind the uh, behind the board over here. John Jansen, he's our most frequent flyer guest. We usually have to wait till the second hour. We're going to get him for the whole show. You have to wait for me to fly down 95 coming from Ben Salem. (laughs) So this is a lot easier this time around. Yeah, you got Jeremy begging you for Finks on the way. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, such a beggar. I won't mention that. I won't mention that uh, that Geno Smith lover anymore on this show, Jeremy. Uh, No, I'm just joking. If Jeremy's listening. No, Jeremy's Jeremy's out. He's gone. He's gone. We kicked him out. Uh, He'll be back, I'm sure. Uh, Tough cover radio show, though. Huge, huge, huge week. And I I keep coming back to this. A couple weeks ago, um, we had the Eagles-Giants game, which was on a Saturday. And I said, you know, since we are previewing an Eagles game on the day of a playoff game, it's the biggest tough cover radio show we've ever done. And John Jansen corrected me on that day, and he said... This is the biggest tough cover radio show you've done yet. So far. So far. <laughs> it's the it's the Simpsons joke. Do you remember that the Simpsons movie and Bart Simpson's like yeah. this is the worst day of my life and Homer goes <laughs> up to me and said this is the worst day of your life so far. It's funny. I, I was I was just listening to something that was talking about the Simpsons movie. Simpsons movie? Very good. I liked it. I actually I know I I should watch The Simpsons more. I haven't really watched a lot of I used to watch it a little bit back around that time when the movie was mm-hmm. there. But I love the movie. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Everything about it was funny. And by the way, you can expect about, like, we need, like, an over-under on how many random tangents that will go oh, on. I'm going to go show. on a million of them. Simpsons, Simpsons movie. You, you know can, what's really one. good? The Simpsons movie is good, but they made a video game based off of the movie. Uh, or something like that. They, they released a video game around the same time. And I yeah. loved it. I love that Where game. Were you driving so much. around? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, no, it's not that one. It was, um, it was a platformer. Uh, it was a platform game. You're jumping around and collecting things and all that. It was so good. I got to look up the game, but it was, it was one of my favorites. I feel like, I feel like they always had good video games coming out. The Simpsons. I feel like they had a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But the Simpsons, that one's really good. Yeah. Uh, hit and run. Hit that and was run. great. Yeah. 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 Classic stuff. All right. Somehow we got into the Simpsons there. <laughs> But yeah, no, we've we've got so much to talk about today, obviously, and like I said, this is, you know, we are a week out from the Eagles being in the Super Bowl, so there are a couple things we're going to hold off on. I'm not going to give 
my props, my my future, my anything like that. I'm not going to give anything in terms of the bets for the Super Bowl because then what are we going to do next week? That's what we got to leave for next week. We're leaving the picks for next week. I'm sure we'll have John Jansen on for his picks next week as well. But we're still going to talk a lot about the game, a lot about how we got here, a lot about these two teams. But that's not the only thing going on in sports. We have the NBA trade deadline less than a week away. A lot going on there. Sixers just won a, a lot game. of slops, some might say. Oh, oh, there's there's a little preview for our guest, Trill Bro Dude, who I believe is coming on at noon. Uh, that's going to be awesome. We always love having Trill on. I did a, uh, I actually did a watch along stream last Saturday with Trill um, on Playback TV. Um, which is, uh, I think it's, it's in conjunction with his Patreon that he does. And it, really cool. We did a watch along for the Nuggets Sixers game, which at halftime, Sixers down 15, 17 points, whatever it was. We were like, man, maybe we didn't pick the best game. Turns out Joel has his statement 47 point game on the two time fraud MVP Jokic's head, uh, and, and comes back. And, and then we watched the, the Rumble. And then we watched the Rumble. <laughs> yeah. What a, that was an incredible day Saturday. This, the weekend day. that we, last weekend was an all timer. All time yeah. weekend. Eagles winning NFC championship game. You got Rumble. You got Joel Embiid. Yeah. Uh, making a statement the way he did. All time weekend. It was yeah. awesome. The Sixers won't have a, a regular season win. That'll be more fun than that one for the rest I of agree. the year. I yeah. agree. Because of this rivalry that, by the way we in philadelphia have created with Jokic. only us it is so one-sided like it, it, it's very very funny it seems like Jokic very much likes joel and like doesn't have any problem with him and by the way the denver fans i will say though are like the literal worst human beings on the planet oh whoa denver I, fans I are really? uh, the, the denver slash serbian twitter army <laughs> that that come yeah, after yeah. you anytime you say anything negative about Jokic is yeah like the well it's the same thing with people. uh there's a serbian tennis player if you haven't heard of him novak Djokovic. i have uh yeah have, yeah yeah um yeah. and yeah the, the serbian twitter is very very active on I that as know. well i didn't know he was a serbian yes I, yeah he's, i didn't he's know well. serbian as well wow they're killing it in sports then Jokic and novak at the same time that's pretty crazy actually so is I, I know I'm probably sidetracking you here from what you we are talking so about. We are so sidetracked. The whole show's we're, we're off but the I, road. Because I, I saw, again, NBA.com posted MVP rankings, or who's, you know, the list of MVP uh, candidates. Yeah, yeah. And Jokic is still at the top. What is it going to take? It just seems like he's he's just going to get it no matter what. Oh, he's going to get it for the next 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So no, it's that, just going to yeah. keep happening? Like I, I, I felt like, A, there's going to be voter fatigue, and B, he's not having as good of a season. I know Denver's play better, so that helps. The team itself is really good. Yeah. But still, this is year number three. He's, I don't think he's playing his best bat. He's still playing very well. Mm-hmm. But there's very clearly, I'm watching Joel Embiid clown him on Saturday and thinking or maybe that's the one that gets him over the top. The Sixers are playing well. The Sixers are in the in the top three seeds right now. They could be close to a number one seed this season. Mm-hmm. And Joel Embiid's just scoring 40 every single night and making it look easy. And it's still not good enough. I just, at, at this point, I, I got to ask you because I know you're more involved in uh, NBA than I am. But what's it going to take? Yeah, there's a very large conversation to be had. And I think this is, I, I, I'm going to tease it a little bit because I think this is something I want to tackle um, in the second half of the show, because there's a there's there's a bit that I want to talk about Sixers, and we'll just go back and forth later on. What I'll say is, it seems like Nikola Jokic is uh, a little bit allergic to the criticism that other big players get, and I think there's a lot of reasons for it. And, and I think that we we can dive into some of those reasons. I think one of the main ones that I'll just lead off with is I don't think anyone cares about the Denver Nuggets. 
So when when he fails in the playoffs, like he did last year, by the way, in five games against the Warriors, it's more where, of oh, it's Denver, you where, know, where, and, and not mm-hmm. more thrown on Jokic. Okay, where they repeatedly attacked him, and and last year, obviously, he always had the excuses of Jamal Murray was hurt or Michael Porter was hurt, whatever the case may be. And I think even now, with those guys healthy, with Aaron Gordon playing the way he is, if they lose in the playoffs, and by the way, a very bad Western Conference. Western Conference this year, wide open, not at any strong teams really outside of Denver. So they really should go on a run. How Jokic strong is should go on a run. Like How much do you like Denver compared to the rest of the West? Uh, not that much more. Like I, I think that, you know, like I said, I was talking about yesterday, uh, so all over the place, but Kyrie is something we're going to have to talk about today too. Um, and if Kyrie goes to the Lakers... And replaces Russ, they can go to the finals. Like that's how wide open the West is. Like if Golden State figures themselves out and maybe trades Kuminga and Wiseman for like an, I Alex still expect Caruso, that to happen. I, I think ultimately Golden State should be fine. Yeah, now, do they get back to a finals and win it? That's completely different. But I think they get back into contending for it. Yeah, I think they will. Do the Clippers go get Fred Van Vliet? Or, you know, something like that. And I don't even, I'm not a big friend, Fred Van Vliet guy, but there, there are so many things that could happen in the West where, I think those moves can push a team over the top because there is top, there is no top right now with the West. I think Denver is the one seed. When it comes to the playoffs, Jokic is going to get brutalized defensively. The Nuggets are going to give up 120 per game in the playoffs. Can they score 125? Maybe they might be able to do that. Their offense is very good. It's, it's obviously Jokic is an incredible player. But the, the way he plays and the way his, you know, d- defensive liabilities are and his inability to kind of defend pick and roll like we saw with the Joel Embiid dropping 47 on him, I, I think that you're going to see that in the playoffs. And obviously there's not a lot of Joel Embiid's, but there are a lot of Steph Curry's and there are a lot of Luka Doncic's and there are a lot of players like that that can play bigs like that off the court. And, you know, we've seen Rudy Gobert get played off the court defensively because he can't cover the pick and roll. He's won how many defensive players of the year, but when it came playoff time, didn't really matter because he was able to get played off the court. There's going to be a little bit of that. I mean, we saw last year they were taking Jokic out for defensive possessions at the end of the game. Like, There's going to be some problems with Denver, but theoretically, they absolutely have the best roster right now as currently constructed in the West. They have the best roster, but yeah, it's wide open, but the thing is, even if they fail this year, I still think like, where's where's the outcry coming from? Who's their rival that's going to remind every besides us, really? Like, that's basically us now. If they fail in the playoffs, it's going to become our yeah. ability to, like, use that in Joel arguments. No one it's else a, really cares. It's just crazy that he, you're right, I guess allergic to that criticism because Luka Doncic, what he's doing, it's incredible. Um, oh, Steph I'm Curry good. still, I know Steph Curry doesn't have the numbers, but. Uh, like, I'm, by I'm, the way, Steph Curry's still averaging like 30. Yeah, like he's 50, 40. Like, like, yeah. I, when I think of the best players in the NBA, like obviously Jokic is in the conversation and he's up there. I'm not saying he's not, I'm not going to knock him, but there are guys that have won things and doing it with less. And Steph, in Steph Curry's case, winning championships. You know, I just, it's so weird that this guy's about to get. Maybe his third MVP award, third straight. And and I don't even consider him even close to the best of from what I've seen in this era and even now playing. You know, I just it's it's that's odd to to think about. That this guy's gonna have all these accolades and not once in ten years from now, I'm not gonna look back and go, Jokic was the best player no. and tell everybody that Jokic was untouchable. I'm never gonna think of him that way. He's but yet a, he's gonna have the accolades that show he's that way, which is just weird. He's a fringe top five guy, but uh, you can't you can't tell me that anyone on the planet 
planet would take him over Giannis or Durant, and you can't tell me that anyone on the planet with a working brain would take him over Joel. So that I, those are always the problems that I have with the Jokic thing. He's an amazing player. He's not one of the best players in the world. So you could throw Steph in that conversation as well. Like, this so. is all time stuff he's about to, to get. Like yeah. they're giving, he's about to get accolades. He already had two, all-time best player. Back-to-back MVPs is already all-time. Like two yeah. MVPs in general puts you in rare air of the. I don't know. I don't. I think Shaq has one. I, I might be wrong there. Like there's a lot of players who you're like they only have one. Like I think Shaq's one of them. So, uh, you know, Jokic is already a Hall of Famer. Like at this point, and that's kind of the crazy. Th- you know, thing about his accolades, but we're, we'll talk a lot about that more with Trill Road Dude. We'll talk a lot about that in the second hour, and we're going to talk a lot about the Sixers throughout the show. But, um, like you said, a lot of slop to get to about the trade deadline. There hasn't been enough slop, but yesterday Kyrie Irving turned that slop up to 11. So we'll talk about that with Trill Road Dude at 11 30. We've got my guy Kyle Pagan coming on um, from Crossing Broad, host of the Crossing Broadcast, and he is the man on the street that you've probably seen on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or wherever you're following, you know, your Eagles content. Um, some of the funniest stuff with, you know, uh, the I, I, you know, I won't give any of it away. I'll, I'll ask him about some of the funny videos and some of the funny people he's gotten and his plans upcoming, kind of how all the man on the street stuff started. We're going to talk a lot about the Eagles and the Super Bowl. And then obviously, you know, we're, we're going to talk right now about my college basketball picks. We're going to get into it. Let's. Let, let's get it started. Up. Well, I haven't done this, by the way. It's been like two weeks. I forgot to do this the last two weeks, so let me clear my throat. <clears> oh, <throat> uh, Let's get it ready to gamble. And we've got a lot of picks. We've got too many picks, some would say. We've got 14. It's a big college basketball day. Today. 150 games. Yeah. A lot of great matchups, too. Yeah, and big day in the NBA, too. I think there's like eight yeah. or nine games in the NBA, and I have uh, my best bet is actually coming from the NBA. The other thirteen. Who needs football when you got basketball? basketball? You know, uh, who you, needs it? Hey, you, you're you're not. You don't got to tell me. I'm as I'm as much of a basketball snob as anybody you'll find. It was funny though. Early this year in, in the NBA and college basketball, I said this on your show, my show. It was funny. I found myself like, man, I can't get fully into anything but the Sixers. Like, I'm not watching. You know, the national TNT games. I'm not. Seems watching like things are starting to basketball. heat up, right? Yeah. yeah. In both in. National and uh, college. I think more yeah. NBA. Right, NBA seems like it is. I mean, we're seeing fights left and right, which uh, is fun. Well, <laughs> you have Dylan Brooks out there. It's going to happen. Um, he is a he is a menace, Dylan Brooks. It's insane. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into it. We're going to start with college basketball, and I'll save my best pick for last. I'll save my NBA best bet of the day for last. And there's been a theme with my NBA best bets if you follow me on Twitter. Um, but let's start it off at twelve o'clock. And we're going to look at one of the biggest games of the day, Kansas-Iowa State, coming up at noon. I like the Kansas team total over 67.5. They've done this in their last three games, four out of their last five, eight out of their last ten, and in 18 of the 22 games they've played this year, they have scored 68-plus points. They average 77 points per game. I know that they only scored 62 against a very good Iowa State defense. But Iowa State has given up 76-plus in their last three games. They have a couple injuries that are slowing their defense down. I'm going to bet on the Kansas offense to get right more than I am the Iowa State defense to regress to the mean. So give me Kansas team total over 67.5. You're looking for a lean on the spread of that game. I would also lean with the Jayhawks. I think they're going to get right. 
Another bet that I have coming up at noon, I like the Cincinnati Bearcats minus four and a half versus UCF for two units. Since he is three and one against the spread in their last four games, 12 and five against the spread in their last 17. They're 11 and three against the spread at home, 12 and five against the spread when they're favored. And then you look on the other side, UCF has failed to cover their last four games. They are three and nine against the spread in their last 12. Give me Cincinnati minus four and a half at two o'clock. I like Marquette minus 14 and a half versus Butler for one and a half units. This is not even a bet on Marquette, who I think is that was a, that was a, you know, I'm a poet and I didn't even know it, but this is not even a bet on Marquette. This was a, this is a fade on Butler. Butler is atrocious. Spitting bars over here. Yeah, you know, who am I? Uh, they're, they're in a Big East gauntlet right now. They've lost four games by at least 21 straight. Butler is 1-11 against the spread as an underdog. On the other side, Marquette is 12-4 against the spread at home, 17-6 against the spread overall. They've covered four straight, as John Rothstein would say. Shaka Smart and Marquette, a perfect marriage. Uh, by the way, watch out for Marquette, folks. They're the best team in the Big East, in my opinion. Uh, another game coming up at 2 o'clock, TCU plus 4.5 at Oklahoma State for one unit. TCU is 5-1 and one against the spread as an underdog with four outright wins as a dog. This is a brutal spot for TCU and a trap line. I'll eat the cheese. I trust Jamie Dixon. I, I think the TCU is just the better team here. Give me TCU plus 4.5. Lafonso Ellis doing something in the, in the Duke indoor uh, you know, game. But I just want to say real quick, another sidetrack. Lafonso Ellis... One of the best analysts of any sport um, on TV. Really? Big okay. Lafonso Ellis guy. Huge, huge Lafonso Ellis I've never Ellis had fan. an opinion. I, lo- I love his breakdowns on stuff at halftime. I think he's like, I think he's entertaining. I think he's enthusiastic. He's always positive. He's always happy. Big, huge Lafonso Ellis guy. Um, Speaking of announcers, your boy's getting crushed lately. Tony <laughs> Romo. We'll, we'll talk about that Whoa. later. We, we'll talk about that I, later. I, I, I think people. we're going to be on the same page. I think people are going overboard with it. I don't yeah. think he's that bad. Oh, I, th- I thought you'd be on the other side. No, okay. no I, I don't think he's the best. Yeah, like I still, I, I mainly give that to Aikman and Buck because I just think they're so good together. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I still like Romo. <laughs> I Me really too. don't think he's that bad. Me too. Everybody's just because I, I think it's just that enthusiasm. Like it's he's not a technically good broadcaster. In a sense, like he stomps on Jim Nance's call out, and like all these broadcaster snobs. And I, I can be one of them at times. All these broadcasters, like, see, he's not good. He's never been good. He's fun. I actually like the idea of having somebody in the booth that's just having a good time. That's there to just like, hey, I can break down the game for you. And also, I'm excited and having fun. That's great. I love it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think everyone's going way overboard. I think he's just predicting plays less, which probably just means he's more far away from the game. He's not as familiar with the formation since they're changing year after year and modern offense changes so much that he's not calling as many things out. I think that's what people are upset about, and I think people don't like his voice. I mean, Sean Brace has said that. Sean Brace doesn't like his voice. He thinks he's too squeaky, which I defend because I sound like Charlie Day a little bit sometimes when I get excited. (laughs) So uh, I totally understand the Tony Romo thing where he gets a little squeaky, he gets a little excited. I think that's cool. I think so maybe I can identify with it, you know, who knows. Um, <laughs> but let's get back, back to on track yeah, again, back on track, uh, back on track. We're back on course at four o'clock. One of my favorite plays of the day, probably my favorite play of the college slate today. Give me Kansas State 
plus one and a half versus Texas for three units. K State is eleven and zero at home. They are fifteen and seven against the spread. I think they're just a flat out better team here with one of the best coaches in the country, Jerome Tang. What an incredible hire Kansas State made. He was a longtime assistant at Baylor, who Baylor's obviously built that program up to be one of the powerhouses of college basketball. It's almost like when you go and hire one of those assistants, it's usually going to work out. And this guy seems to be just an A-plus coach, and he's done a great job revitalizing Kansas State in a couple months. Um, I, th- I think that they have the two best players in this game with Johnson and Noel. It's funny, Marquise Noel gets so much buzz for Kansas State, and people love Marquise Noel, and I think he's a little flashier, and people talk a ton about him. I think he's got a nickname that I'm, for some reason, forgetting right now, um, but... Keontae Johnson's their leading scorer, and Keontae Johnson is the best story in sports. He's the guy who collapsed two years ago for Florida. Florida didn't want to let him come back and play college basketball for them. He transfers to Kansas State. He's one of the 15 to 20 best players in the country this year. He's averaging over 18 points per game, super efficiently, really long 3 and D type player who can defend on the other side. I love this Kansas State team. I think this Kansas State, I think Sean Brace is another mention for the guy Sean Brace. I think he placed a, a future on Kansas State a couple of weeks ago. I think after the, the win against Kansas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that was smart. I'm sure that the odds have gotten worse since then, too. So he probably got in at the right time, clipped this and sent it over to him. So he's happy about it. Uh, but uh, he probably got into the right time. I think they're a legitimate contender. And we were kind of talking off air, John. And I, I was just telling you where. There are no legitimate, you know, top tier, no doubt about it. This team's going to, there's no Baylor from a, a year or two ago. There's no Gonzaga of years past where people thought, oh, they're by far the best team. And whether or not they win it at the end, people have that thought the whole year round. I don't think there is that team. Number one has been traded through a, a couple different teams at the top. So um, I think Kansas State is as live a dog to win the title as almost anybody in the country. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 against the spread, 11-3. and three in their last 14 against the spread. Give me K-State plus one and a half. Moving on to another game, and I like this game a lot. I like this game so much that I actually split it into two bets. I'm going with Alabama minus 11 at LSU for two and a half units, and I'm also taking first half Alabama minus six and a half for two units. LSU has failed to cover their last eight games. They've also failed to cover their last eight first halves. They are 7-15 and 15 against the spread. This is what happens when you fire the American gangster Will Wade. Will Wade was keeping you afloat, LSU. I know he was a scumbag, but he was a heck of a basketball coach. And he was paying for heck, you know, he was paying for incredible athletes that you seem to not have anymore. And Alabama beat LSU already this year, 106 to 66. I don't see that that is going to, that margin of victory is going to change by 30 points. I don't think this is a single digit game. I think Alabama gets up early and often. Bama's 8 and 2 against the spread in their last 10, also 8 and 2 against the spread in their first half. Alabama, a basketball school, John Jansen. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but not a football school anymore. Apparently not. I have a pick that John Jansen might jump out of a seat for now coming up here, sticking at 4 o'clock in the AAC. The East Carolina fighting John Jansen's. ECU plus two and a half versus SMU for one and a half units. But I've got bad news. This bet has nothing to do with ECU. This bet is a fade on SMU. They are one and eight against the spread in their last nine. Seven, 15 and one against the spread and two, seven and one against the spread as a favorite. I get the superior team here as a home dog. Wait a second. Let's pause. 
the ECU basketball arena. Does it get does it get rowdy over there, Jansen? Or is there about a hundred? It it's there? getting better. Okay. So Minji's Coliseum. It's getting Williams Arena at Minji's Coliseum. All right. Just want to make sure I got it all there. Uh, but it it can get rowdy. They're they're not they're not the worst. Not the best. Are, are you know? Are the PRP? Are it's many... not as good as like the other schools that are like down the road in North Carolina <laughs> that are pretty good are, as we're watching on TV. Are too many people going to be at Sup Dogs or is that is that what it's called? <sighs> yeah, Sup Dogs. Right? Yeah, at four o'clock. Uh, yeah, four o'clock. That's that's Sup Dogs time, and then about a couple hours after that, you go down the street to five nineteen, and you continue the uh, the festivities. All right, all right. Well, there you hear it, folks. There's your breakdown. There's, on your, ECU there's, your, bars. there's your trip guide to Greenville, yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like ECU today. They can score the best. We going? You want to go to the game? Let's go. Let's yeah, go. We'll take the trip. We'll Hang take on. the trip. I'll be back in time for the Nova game. Oh, yeah. You can make it. What is it? 730? Yeah. Uh, ECU, I, I, they can really score. Not a great defense at times. SMU, not a good offense ever. So I, I actually think this matchup works out really well for ECU. Really strange line. I'd say it's a rat line, but I think there's a chance that Vegas is just kind of underrating ECU relative to SMU here um, because it's not like ECU's over 500 or some good team, but they are, I think there is a gap between below average and bad. And I think SMU is bad. Um, so let's move on to 630. Speaking of the game down the road that Jansen was just mentioning, I've got two plays on UNC Duke. I've got UNC plus three and a half. I think UNC is just the far better the far better team, to be quite honest. I don't have a lot of stats or anything to back that up. I'm taking UNC. That's a one-unit play. My main play on this game is UNC team total over 71.5. They've scored 72-plus in four of their last five, 12 of their last 14, and in 17 of their 21 games this year. And Duke has given up 72-plus in about half of their games against the ACC and about half of their games against main conference opponents. By the way, I was searching for that when I was taking my notes today. Main, what's It's Power 5 in football. What is it in basketball again? High major. That's what it is. High major opponents. Because it's mid-major, high major opponents. Is that... Really? Don't you... Uh, I would just still say Power Five. Right? Is it Power Five? I would, yeah, I would say. I feel so. like I've done this like ten times on this show. I guess because it's different because the, there's the Big East that you would consider a major conference, right? Yeah, and then there's like because I wouldn't consider most of the teams in the Big East a mid-major. So yeah, it, it's it's tough. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put out put a poll out on that. We're we're gonna put a poll. I think High Major is probably the right. I wonder what like Joe Lunardi, high and, like major. Andy Katz. I think High Major is what the what the nerds. I don't say. like that. I don't like it. I don't love it either. Um, <laughs> at eight o'clock, yeah, I, I got through that one. Yeah, six thirty. UNC team total over seventy one and a half three units. At eight o'clock, too many picks. My head's spinning. I got over one forty five. Utah State, Colorado State for two units. The Mountain West, the land of the overs and the home of the points. Both of these teams are fifteen and seven on the over. Utah State nine and three on the over in their last third or in their last twelve. Colorado State nine and one in their last ten to the over. That's a you know. Every team in the Mountain West besides Boise State and Fresno State seems to play over basketball. Those two teams kind of dredge everything down and play defense. The rest of them, 85 to 80, it seems like every game seems to be. In the A-10, I like Dayton team total over 66.5 for 1.5 units. They've scored 67-plus in their last 5, 12 of their last 13, 15 of their last 17, and in 17 of their 23 games this season. They average 70 points per game. The problem, the fly in the ointment, the Bonnies have a great defense. 
This feels like a low bar to clear, though. So give me Dayton. Team total over 66.5. And then my last college basketball play on the day, give me Oklahoma plus 6.5 for 1.5 units. To me, these teams are pretty close to even. And if you made me pick between them, I'd lean Oklahoma. I think they're a little deeper. I think Sherfield and Groves might be the two best players in the game. Oklahoma is 7-4 and four against the spread as a dog with four outright wins. Give me Boomer Sumer. Boomer Sumer. Whew, it's early, folks. Boomer sooner to keep this Might close. Might need to chug that coffee. Yeah. Whew. Gosh. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won the game. Six and a half point dog. Wouldn't be shocked if OU came out and won the game. By the way, I just want to make my apologies to good old JR Jim Ross for, for messing up that boomer sooner. That's that's my bad, JR. I know you're a tough cover listener. How dare you disrespect the legend? How dare you? Fuck off. <laughs> All right. So let's play. Let's do my 6 o'clock, my best bet on the board in the NBA. I got the L.A. Lakers money line at the New Orleans Pelicans for four units. I think people look at the Lakers' record and they're like, oh, the Lakers are fighting for the play-in, or this is such a disappointing season. And I understand why you'd feel that way. They got off to such a dreadful start. They started 2-10. and But if you look since then, the Lakers are 20-13 and in the last 33 games that LeBron has played. They're 23 and 18 since starting 2 and 10. They're 23, 16 and 2 against the spread in that stretch of games. They've been a legitimately good team since starting so poorly. And I don't think people have adjusted that whatsoever. And I don't think Vegas has adjusted that because they've been very profitable over the last couple of weeks. And then you look at the other side, the Pelicans are the exact opposite. Jansen, I know you're not, you're not as plugged into the NBA as, as you know, you will be, I'm sure, in a few weeks. But the Pelicans, what do you think of the Pelicans right now? There's some talent there. Like I, I like them. But you, you have no idea that they've lost ten straight, right? I have no idea that they've lost ten straight. No one does because no one talks about it. The Pelicans were like the number two seed like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They've lost ten straight, and this is a pick'em. The Lakers, who have been really good for like two months now, and the Pelicans who have stunk for three weeks now. Yeah, I think the Pelicans should start, you know, winning some games here. What, yeah. What's happening? What's That'd be going a good on? Strategy. What's going on? It's interesting. Real quick, I'll just touch on this because that was my last pick, uh, and we're going to send it over. Oh, you're done. Take a, take a quick break. Yeah, that's it. You know, I I could have picked a couple. That's of about them. like a seven tweet of uh, seven tweet uh, of picks there. I'm going to get it in two. I'm going to get it in two. I'm only in, how I, I'm only going to. There's leave, no way. I'm, I only have two picks on the second tweet. I'm about to send it out after this. I already typed it out. How did you um, fit that many picks in one? I shortened my I, I, abbreviations. I don't throw the opponent in there anymore. It'll be it's a little shorter. But okay. I will just say the Pelicans, if you want to start winning and you don't care about crazy people, uh, you have about 30 first-round picks. Send one for Kyrie Irving. It's more than anybody else would be willing to give up. Kyrie, absolute crazy person, but Kyrie, McCollum, Ingram, Zion, Steven Adams is a pretty good five. I think that probably wins the West. (laughs) And I say that after just picking against them and saying that they've lost 10 straight. But they're also not exactly healthy. I don't think Zion will be playing in this game, um, if I'm not mistaken. And even if he is, I like the Lakers to win the game. I think the Lakers are the better team right now. I think the Lakers are even ranked higher right now in the standings, even after their start. So even, But if you shorten that to as of late, the Lakers are a far better team. And I've been betting the Lakers a ton as of late. The only problem is it's so annoying. LeBron's questionable every single night. It's outrageous. He's questionable every day. Everybody's questionable every single but day. But him and Joel, literally every game. Literally every game LeBron and Joel are. It's, it's maddening. 
But anyway, on the other side, we're going to get over to Kyle Pagan from Crossing Broad. We're going to talk some Eagles Chiefs. We're going to talk the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about his plans for next week, trying to find the best man on the street content that he can. So keep it locked to the Tough Cover Radio Show right here on The Gambler. The Gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Good? Not good? I don't know what this I went, is. I went off school. How do you not know what this is? I have to listen. Great 90s song. Yeah, I, I, you have to remember. I'm... I'm Don't tell me you're a, like I'm a youngin. I'm yeah, I'm kind of young. You're you're a little. You're kind of an old man. Young Jens. Get out of here. What do you, what do you mean? I'm 28. <laughs> I'm an old man. Well, speaking of another, the second yeah. time this week, I've been called an old head. What is going on? Speaking of another old man that I'm bringing on. No, I'm joking. That's 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 uh fighting words right. By the there. way, the song is called Save Tonight. Who, who who's the band? Uh, it's not a band. It's a dude. It's just I forget who it's by. You don't even know who it's by. I, I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Oh, I forgot his name. God, John uh, Eagle Eye Cherry. That's right. I knew it was Cherry in there. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I've I've heard the name of that song. Yeah. Okay. Getting called an old head. Are you kidding? All right. But let's move on. Let's bring on our guest, one of our favorite guests here on the Tough Cover Radio Show, my guy Kyle. Pagan from Crossing Broad, host of the Crossing Broadcast. You can follow him at Kyle Pagan CB. Kyle, how we doing, brother? What's up? Yeah, Eagle Eye Cherry, uh, son of Don Cherry, the hockey guy. Ooh, there, there's a little. Is that a is that a little fun? I fact can't tell there? if you're. Is that is that actually a fact? Is that true? <laughs> you guys like think I just come on your show and just spread misinformation? I don't I, know. You know. You're you're a loose cannon. I have no idea. A, you're gonna you're do a bit of here. a liar. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have a. I am. It's one of my most redeeming qualities. I'm a tremendous liar. <laughs> but something else that you do that is tremendous in lack of a in lack of a better segue. I'm not, I, I didn't go to radio school like John Jansen did, but in lack of a better segue, uh, something else that you do that's tremendous is the man on the street videos. And, you know, they are obviously th- these Philadelphia playoff runs. It's like they are specifically designed to get Kyle Pagan's videos to have a lot of engagement because, man, the, these man on the street videos are the best, whether it be the Phillies ones and now the Eagles ones. And obviously you, you were on the streets last week. Um, when, when obviously everything turned into mayhem after they won the NFC championship game. What was your favorite moment, uh, from your man on the street video from last weekend? Uh, well, my favorite moment that, you know, obviously you guys are under FCC regulations, which we don't really do at, uh, <laughs> at Crossing Broad. <laughs> so I guess my favorite moment, I mean, those poles were greased, man. I don't know if they put extra, extra slippery grease, but mm-hmm. like I've never seen so many Philadelphians struggle with getting up poles. This one in general around like Chestnut Street, but I would say, I don't know. I mean, just all the love for Jalen Hurts. Um, I didn't really watch the video. But, yeah, probably all the love for, for, for Jalen Hurts and everything. I'm big time now, Mark. I got an editor. So he kind of looks Ooh, at it now and everything. Yeah. Get the get all and everything. So, no, nah, but the, the love for Jalen Hurts, just the camaraderie, man. The, the, the guy who said we were smoking on all the 49ers pack, because <laughs> I was guys that, like, I've never even heard of. Like, who's George Seifert? I had to ask one of my buddies, like, hey, he's the old coach of the 49ers. That guy was probably my favorite. Yeah, that's that's awesome stuff. I thought the grandma shout out was, was fantastic. One more year, Chan. I, I, I thought that. Oh was... my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
That girl, that girl DM'd me and goes, I don't like how I'm perceived here. Can you delete the clip? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, honey. Yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> oh it's, it's wild. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the Giants one, the, the Giants fan last, last week before, right? Peeing his pants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Legendary. What, did he want it down? Oh, of course. Like, uh, I mean, I mean that's, that's what happens now. These things go big and people, you know, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows here. It's not all just, you know, being a clown on Broad Street. It's. You know, doing the HR in the background, Mark. I'm sorry, what did this guy expect? You had a yeah. video camera. It was in his face. Thank and he's peeing. Thank what do you, you expect? I mean, you can't be pissing. You're in public pissing yourself. You can't be pissing down your leg on Saturday night and going to Goldman Sachs on Monday morning. I mean, that's just not, you, you can't, <laughs> those things don't go together, Kyle. You know, I think that was just kind of free therapy for the kid. Like, that's just looking yourself <laughs> in the eye, having a conversation with yourself in the mirror the next day, being like, you know what? Maybe we got to kind of change the life around a little bit. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe we piss down our leg if we make the Super Bowl. Maybe not if Daniel Jones beats the the negative point differential Vikings. Maybe like maybe let's let's save the pissing down our leg for <laughs> for real accomplishments. I think at least like at least that would be like a start. I know to pissing a yourself just to get dog walked. Uh, yeah, that's not. That's not great. Yeah, it's like you don't see Philadelphians eating horse poop like after a, a week thirteen win. Like you know, we save that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save the peeing your peeing down your leg for fourteen and three season, not for nine and seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let's you know. All right. Well, I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the man on the street stuff because I actually think it's fascinating. I actually, and because uh, obviously, me and Kyle used to do a podcast together, so I have a lot of friends who we send the clips around and they ask me about it, and and I, I always have a couple questions in the back of my mind. And you said you had an editor, so I I, I know that that's I know that you know you went a little Hollywood, you went a little big time. As long as we never get a as long as we never get a bodyguard for Kyle, because you've got to have your head on a swivel out there. Am I wrong? You know, one kid, the we almost got into fisticuffs was the first time was on Broad Street. Guy who just was was not a big CV guy. You know what? That's fine. It's okay. Not everyone's a crossing broad person, and not everyone wants to be interviewed. And I'm okay with that. And it, people hate him. Sure, that's fine. It's perfectly fine with me. But yeah, one guy, one guy grabbed the camera, and my cameraman. He's a very docile guy. He's a pacifist. Doesn't want any problems or anything. I've never seen that guy go from one to ten like I saw <laughs> when he when this guy tried to grab the camera. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, here's another question I'll throw at you. So you're, I think, like your whole focus now, especially on the Eagles' home games, and then obviously for the playoff run, is to try to be where the action's going to be post game. Can you watch the games, or like, what's been your strategy? Do you try to get to a spot where you can watch it and then kind of pour right out? What What's been your strategy on where you're watching the games? Uh, so for a regular season game, I usually just chill to the third quarter, and then I'll just watch it on my phone until the game pours out. Probably around, I probably usually miss like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter mm -hmm. for the NFC Championship game. I watched the first half, went up the Bonners on Twenty Third and Chestnut. Shout out the Bonners. And then walk down to Broad Street. So I probably missed the last seven minutes. Like I missed like the Gainwell Trent Williams kerfuffle. So for for like last week, that's not a big deal, obviously, because we were up by so no. much. And you can, you know, I, I, with with you know the way technology is, you could probably log into Fox Now, the app on your phone, if anything ever happened, and you could watch it on your phone. But for the Super Bowl. That, what's your strategy? What's your plan? So if I don't, I don't know if you can give out tips to your man on the street competitors, but what, what, what's your strategy? 
Oh, there's a ton of competitors now. I oh know. I God. saw a few. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, how many people are down there with a microphone at people's face. But you know what? I I love other people doing it. I like to spread the wealth. I didn't create it. I mean, it's Man on the Street's been going on since like 1980s with like Yucko the Clown and Triumph the, Tri the uh, Insult Comic Dog and stuff. So like more competition, more guys, the merrier. All right, go. Go get your go get your clips. Go get your sound bites. But um, Mark, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a plan just yet, and it's been very contentious in the household with the girlfriend uh -oh. about <laughs> who's staying over. Oh no! How long they're staying over? Whoa! Oh! Why can't you? Why can't you go to a bar? Why can't you go to another friend's house? Because I just want to sit down. I just want to watch it. Because it, it, you and Johnny can can weigh in here. It's different than 2018. Mm -hmm. We already experienced this, so it's like. I know what to, I know what to expect. I I'm sure you guys did the same thing. You did the parties and stuff, or you went out to a bar and stuff, and then you ran on the Broad Street. For this one, I would like to just kind of like be there in my house. Yeah. And around the third quarter, midway through the third, maybe the fourth. I think they're gonna blow the, the Chiefs out. So hopefully <laughs> the fourth. Um, I will make my way, and maybe I'll watch it outside. Like I don't know, is the Palm still around on Broad Street, or is uh, Capitol Grill? Can I, can I peer into the window? Of the Capitol Grow and catch the uh, <laughs> catch the ending. That'd be classic. And, and Schmitz or something, you know. That'd be that's a, that'd be a classic way to watch the end of the game. But yeah, it's I'm right with you. I you know I had that thought where like I kind of want to be pouring out onto the streets of Philly, and where I live is not a, you know I'd have to drive up and then you know probably miss part of the fourth quarter. But I, I've kind of made that sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to watch at home and kind of watch and uh, with a small group, not with the large group I watched when I was in college back in the last Super Bowl. I'm uh, going to kind of tone it down a little bit, actually pay attention to the game. Like, I, I, Not that I didn't last time, um, but I definitely don't want to. And also, here's a little superstitious thing. All three losses that the Eagles have had this year, I did not watch at home. I was at the Saints game. When they lost, I watched the Commanders game at a bar, and, and I can't remember what the other loss was. Oh, um, Dallas Cowboys! I, I watched that at a family party and got into an argument that ended Christmas uh, with my cousin. Fun fact: uh, uh, is, there, is there anything worse than watching the, that Christmas Eve game? I mean, I had the same. I didn't get in an argument with anyone. I'm not as crazy as you are. But, <laughs> dude, that's smoking with experience from Kyle. The people. Who and you, you love your family, but you got the funny guy, you got the guy who doesn't watch anything, you got the talker who wants to talk through things and everything while you're just trying to so scroll social the media and everything. Uh, the aunt, yeah, the aunt who's like, oh, that Dak Prescott, he's kind of cute. It's like, no, Aunt Barbara, <laughs> he's the enemy. Everybody's got an Aunt Barbara. Yeah, the aunt oh, who's asking you about God. your job, and it's like, oh my yeah. God, like, the, the he has a girlfriend yet. Are you married? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all that stuff. That's a Jansen specific one over there. That's the. How was that? Me it got specific? a little too. It got a little too real there, Jansen. I get it all the time. Yeah, Jansen's like <laughs> watching too many indie films to. <laughs> <laughs> what are we on, Jansen? What what knives out are we on? He, he, hasn't, he hasn't even I seen, even seen Glass Onion. Out. I only see like Korean we were just films. Talking about it. Come on, you know me. It's all about French cinema and oh Korean films. Come on, I'm not. Uh, I'm not watching I, Glass I, Onion. I, I 100%, I will tell you this, Jansen, I do take your movie recommendations into consideration. I will never watch them. I don't have the attention span for a movie. <laughs> but every time you do tweet about what you're watching, I will stop and I will at least read the tweet and see what 
Jansen's watching because I know you are a cultured man. Of Look at me. I'm an influencer. Is, that, is that what I'm called now? Well, Am I a movie influencer? You're definitely, uh, yeah, you know. Like, my movie takes are way yeah, better than my sports takes, certainly. <laughs> I mean, I said Jalen Hurts sucks uh, uh, up until uh, like three weeks ago. We'll so. get to that in just a second. I actually had something planned. I had something planned oh, for the Jalen no. Hurts conversation. Oh, no. But, but beyond that. audio? <laughs> I did not pull audio. Don't, don't worry, Kyle. But you should. You should actually. There's do so much out there. That's so bad. The if be you, more worried than if you. you go down my Twitter account of last year, you will see so many questionable takes. But real quick, because you mentioned something before we get to the hurts of it all, you mentioned something about how you think we're going to blow the Chiefs out. And let me just let let me just let people in on a little secret. Kyle, if the Chiefs lose this game, is just waiting and salivating at the opportunity to call Mahomes contract a failure. That's that's where Kyle's brain is. <laughs> it's the worst contract in football. <laughs> it's I, I love Kyle's Mahomes hate so much. I the the arguments we had on the podcast, I forget what was that the 2020 season? I I think yeah, yeah, yeah the 2020 season. So that would have been the year he I guess the year after he won the Super Bowl. Um, so Kyle was was very anti Mahomes then. I'm sure going into this week, I'm I'm sure Kyle is at his at the peak of his anti Mahomes uh, slander. Well, I got to ask. I mean, there's a Chinese balloon that's just going through the air. Patrick Mahomes supposed to have one of the best arms in the world. Why is that Chinese balloon still up in the air? Patrick Mahomes is around here. Is he anti USA? People are asking. <laughs> I mean, he's got to answer these questions, you know. Those are uh, questions he's, he's yeah, got to answer. It's like yeah, if someone sure. if someone pops that balloon and, and then it doesn't go, like, viral, people would be like, oh, Mahomes did that. Like, it, everyone would be going nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but I, I truly believe if, if Pat Mahomes ends up with one Super Bowl, I think the is the worst contract in football history points about. <laughs> uh, no, Russell Wilson, you're in the back. No, Deshaun Watson... You're fine, Patrick Mahomes. That's yep. that's the bad yeah. one. I love it. I love it. But let's get. To I, some- I, I understand inflation, and you're going to give me like you know four hundred fifty million dollars <laughs> in twenty twenty doesn't matter in twenty twenty three. But you know what? Are we playing for AFC championships? No, we're not. We're playing for Super Bowls. Okay. And the fact that Pat Mahomes is only going to have one, like four years into that contract, you got to start asking those questions. Questions have to be asked. Like Kyrie Irving said, question everything. Question everything. Yep. Yeah, exactly. How about him? How about him taking a shot at James Harden and then 19 days later requesting a trade? All-time Kyrie move. All-time hypocrite. How about the fact that, like, not to get political. I can't believe this is about to get political. (laughs) But, like, how about the fact that the Brooklyn Nets, like the the Harden, Durant, Kyrie, Brooklyn Nets were broken up because, like, Kyrie decided to be an anti-vaxxer. And big lib James Harden, big liberal snowflake, pro-jab man James Harden was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, how funny is it that the vaccine mandate, like, James Harden took the stance of, like... Come on now, let's not let's let's, let's be, be reasonable. Let's here. be reasonable. Yeah, like. Can we play more than thirteen games together, please? <laughs> it's so funny that James Harden—not not to use a wrestling term—but James Harden really was the babyface all along. There, like people made him out to be the heel, but you know Kyrie was the true heel all along. Um, so now you know he'll be a Laker, and that'll be fun. Um, but well, anyway, give me your, uh, give me, before I derail this conversation, give me your rumble take. Oh, great rumble. Great rumble. We were just talking about it. Cody Rhodes. Um, I thought the men's rumble a little bit boring, but, you know, Cody, yeah. the, the storyline writes itself and he's, you know, he's so the fans love him still and they're not going to turn against him. 
obviously the ending with Sami Zayn, he's the hottest thing in wrestling. Sami Zayn has been like my personal favorite wrestler for a few years now. Um, love what's going on with the bloodline. I think they deserve an Emmy. And then Rhea Ripley uh, is the future and going to be, I think she's probably going to be the GOAT. I think she's probably going to be the greatest woman's wrestler of all time. So Whoa. I think that like ultimately none of it was earth shattering while it was happening. Like I wouldn't say any of them were the greatest rumbles ever or the main event was the greatest match ever, but they got the three big things right. Like they did the Sammy breakup right. Cody was the right person to win the Rumble, and Rhea was the right person to win the Women's Rumble. So I'm happy with it. Is that a, a good Logan breakdown? Guy? I'm sorry, what? Are you a Logan Paul guy? I actually am. John Jansen's not. I hate him. John I, Jansen's I not. Hate, I hate that he's so shocker. good at wrestling. I hate that. He's so I, good. I just want to hate him. I just want to... What, what do you mean, shocking? He's a hateable person. He but stinks. that's the point. That's the point. He's a What's heel. What's he ever done wrong, John? What's he ever done wrong except bring joy to millions of people? Let's, what? Yeah, let's leave the forest out of it, John. Let's... One forest cake? <laughs> this guy goes to one forest and now he's a bad guy, now he can't wrestle? Yeah, he didn't know what was in the forest. <laughs> yeah, he didn't, know, he didn't know what was in the forest, John. <laughs> All right. I don't want to go too far into that. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts because um, I think maybe I, I couldn't remember if did I meet John Jansen through Kyle having me and John Jansen on is that how is that how I met I you think Jansen so. yeah Kyle directed me uh, your direction with like hey there's this guy pretty good at gambling you should get him on your show and that's how it happened yeah, yeah we, we we did a three hour over under AFC NFC pod <laughs> yeah, <to> win, <laughs> and John Jansen hung over left like middle of the way through the ASC. I was so hungover. <laughs> I was in Maryland recording that. Yeah, that was a crazy, crazy time. I was in my parents' bedroom. I was in my parents' house and we're doing I thought it was just going to be a quick thing. Nope. Three hours later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, oh. one of the first things we talked about on that was the Jalen Hurts, you know, conversation back when he was a rookie uh, back then and uh, it's pretty funny throughout obvi or no i guess this would that would have been before his second year before his first year starting i should say um it Kyle that year proclaimed Jalen Hurts as his first ever my guy that was mm -hmm. his first ever and then you know we won't talk about what happened after Kyle went to the Tampa Bay playoff game we could talk about it oh i denounced him i denounced i i saw it with my own eyes i denounced Jalen Hurts forever after that Tampa Bay game and he was god awful bad and Anyone else announced him too? Uh, no, that's that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. And he, I, I was never at my guy level with him at that point. I was. It's funny. It, it depended on who I talked to. When I was talking to Kyle during the podcast every week, it would almost sound like I was negative on Hertz because Kyle was so positive on Hertz for the full season. And then I'd go on the line change with John Jansen and he'd interview me, and it, I it would make it sound like you know I'm the most positive Jalen Hertz person of all time. I've never been so wrong about anything in my life. But I was. Oh, I was dead wrong about Jalen Hurts. I said so many questionable things about Jalen Hurts as a player, and I got every single one of them wrong. But not one right. Where I wanted to lead the John. Yeah. Is is uh, is Jalen Hurts him? Is he Himothy Turner? Himothy <laughs> Turner. <laughs> Jalen Jalen Hurts is a star. He is him. He's a great quarter. I still see people now like Nick Wright and uh, Chris Sims was doing yeah. this for a while. Like, guys, I was there. I was one of you. Yeah. It's over. Like, we we got it wrong. <laughs> just it's over. There's no debate anymore. The kid's a star. I I just got it wrong, flat out. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's absurd. at least at least they should be doing. They should be pivoting to. You know, we lost the battle, but not the war. He won't be a long-term franchise option, or he, you know, he'll get hurt. Like they should be pivoting. They shouldn't just be just like gotta he's not on. good. They got to move like, on. <laughs> they can't just be like he's not good because he, he clearly is. But Kyle, 
what I'll throw to you. How vindicated do you feel from him being your guy for that whole year on the improvement he's made? Because the thing we always said last, or I think last year on the show, the thing we always said was, man, he has all the intangibles. He has everything you'd want in a quarterback. If he fails, it won't be because of the off-the-field thing, and he's put all that together on the field, and all that off-the-field stuff shines through. How vindicated do you feel for all the things that we said about Jalen Hurts a year ago? I don't know, because like he's, like you say, he's got it all between the ears. He's got it all between the ears, but like, I was a hater. I was a hater all, all, all season. All, all season that I hate on this man. And you know what? I don't feel like I'm... I should be necessarily allowed back in the club. Oh, okay. I think that's fair. You can be wrong. I, I was I was one hundred percent wrong, but I don't think I can make him my guy. I turned on my guy. I turned on. Him. But and when you turn on your guy, like that would be me turning on you, Mark. I've never <laughs> done that in my life. Of course not. You you take my picks every every day, even through the cold streets. Exactly. Yeah, they pay like for that, your Christmas. That's presents. true love, right there. Taking his picks even in the cold no, streaks. That's true love. <laughs> I I you know. I turned on him, you know, in, in, in his, in his time of need, I turned on him. That's like my best friend just got broken up with. And I said, Hey man, sorry, I'm busy. I got to go do a man on the street on, on broad street right now. Can but you hey, they, wait a couple hours? They were two and five. Nick Sirianni was making flower comments. You, you were still defending him back then. Well, this is the thing. Like I, I'm like very anti, I like Eagles fans, but I'm very anti Eagle fan. If that makes sense, because I think everyone just rushes to judgment and we don't ever let anything play out. And that's like our worst crux. And we don't know how to be great in this city. And we are on the verge of being great in the mm-hmm. city. We always love being the underdogs, which is perfectly fine. Don't get me wrong. Go be the underdog. But you know what? Like we should want more than that. We shouldn't want to be little brother to DC in New York. We should want to be like better than New York and better than DC. Cause we do have a lot of things that are better than them. So. That's kind of like why I'm kind of like anti-Eagle fan, if that makes sense, because we don't let anything ever play out. Because I'm, we love this I'm very anti-Eagle fan. They, they are, yeah. they're crazy. Well, I'm, I'm way more anti-Sixer fan than I am anti-Eagle fan, but well, that's something I don't even want to talk but about. But I, I do, right so now. I will say, I feel like I shouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Eagles Super Bowl because I was so anti-Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't, I'm with you Kyle. Did. I don't know if I should be allowed into this club. Like, you I just... Were- you were, more positive so on, you were more positive on them this offseason than I was, though. Oh, I was very positive so, on the Eagles, but my yeah. big question was, how good is Jalen Hurts going to be? And, of course, kid was an MVP. But he was great. Kyle, too. Kyle at 12-5. and five. I think he said they'd, lo- they'd lose in the NFC Championship. I, th- I saw he put that clip out the other day. So even in your, you know, you, you were negative all offseason. You came around. You, you made the prediction. And like, like Kyle says, you can put it on his headstone. He can find 12 wins on the schedule. So, you know, he found 12 wins. It ended up being 14 wins. But... One last question, because it would not be a sports radio interview the week before the Super Bowl if I didn't ask this question. It's the most sports radio topic of all time. Fletcher Cox said that the 2017 Super Bowl team would beat the 2022 Super Bowl team. A, I think he's dead wrong, by the way. I think this team's better. But B, it's also like the like a zero gain answer. Like I don't understand why Fletcher Cox would say that. It's uh, whatever. I, I won't get too far into it. But in your opinion, who wins the game? 2020. 2022 Eagles or the 2017 Eagles? 2022 wipes the floor with the 2017 Eagles. I agree. Just the, the, the depth of the defensive line. Loved Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a freaking statue back there. I mean, Hassan Reddick coming off the edge might kill Nick. We, Hassan Reddick might be doing snow angels next to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl <laughs> if they're playing each other, honestly. <laughs> oh, my. He might be doing the Kayvon Thibodeau? Oh, man. Yeah, he might be doing the oh. Kayvon Thibodeau. He might be doing the CM that, You know what? That might have been one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in an NFL field, and I laughed hysterically at it. I thought it was funny. Well, 
it, 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 it was funny, but then it was to your baby boy, Nick Foles. And then the, the that's what I kind of love about NFL fans is because like we tweeted about it, we wrote about it, and I was like, I want Jason Kelsey to take out Kayvon Thibodeau's knee next time he sees him, blah, 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 all this stuff. I was calling for Kayvon Thibodeau's head. But just the best thing was was like Giants fans, and that's the best thing. And the Eagles fans would done the same thing, and Ravens fans would done the same thing if it was them. They just they we had this just blind love for all our teams and everything that we have these blue goggle glasses or green goggle glasses that like people were just coming out of the woodwork to defend Kayvon Thibodeau that he didn't even know he was on the ground even after he did the sleep celly on the sideline, even after the tenth uh, snow angel he looks over to the side he he can probably blatantly hear Nick uh, Foles calling for the trainers and stuff. <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> like actively no, like gasping for fans. air and he's just doing yeah. snow angels. Yeah. <laughs> but but the way these, the way NFL fans just love their team so much, they just will defend them to the death. And it's, it's, the, it's the best. It's why the NFL is the best league in the, in the uh, and strongest league in the in the world. All right. One last question. I said the last question was the last question, but 20 seconds or less. Temple Owls check in. How we feel in Aaron McKee? You know, if this team goes 500, still put them in the tournament. Nobody wants to see the Temple Owls. This is going to be the most dangerous 12 seed the NCAA tournament has ever seen. Dog mentality. They're going to win the. They're going to win the. Uh, what is it? The AAC? Yeah, the AAC. They're going to win the AAC tournament. How can you forget about the American, the greatest conference in college basketball well, and John, college football? John Rothstein has has brainwashed me into always thinking they're in the A10, even though they're not. Um, but I know how Kyle feels about that, so I won't bring that Speaking up. Speaking of Temple, I, I, I stand corrected. Being wrong about Jalen Hurts is not the most wrong I've ever been. I immediately was wrong the second I tweeted about EJ Warner, and he threw for like 500 yeah. yards as soon as I tweeted that. And it was the worst tweet of my hey, life. EJ Warner's the future. And then Kurt- and then Kurt Warner put you in bed and tucked you in and told you. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, the Warner family bullied me. I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue him. On that note. That was the worst loss an Eagles fan has ever taken from Kurt Warner. <laughs> yeah. We got two oh, in the man. playoffs. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thanks so much for coming on, Kyle. It's always a good time, man. Thank you, buddy. That was Kyle Pagan from Crossing Broad. You can follow him at Kyle Pagan CB. Coming up next, we got Trill Bro Dude coming on the show. Stay tuned to the Tough Cover Radio Show right here on The Gambler. I heard you crying loud. You didn't know your mic was on, did you? No, I did not. I did not realize until I until it. I saw that red. Until I saw that red. Yeah, just because you call me an old head, I'm now gonna play all '90s songs. I like this. This is up my alley. This is very good, Green Day. Very good. I'm a Green Day guy. Fun fact: I like probably like seven Green Day songs, which probably makes me like like more like I'm not. And they're big... all on the Dookie album. Yeah, probably. That's, <laughs> yeah, I definitely. That's the album cover I have in my head. But yeah. Coming up right here on the Tough Cover Radio Show, we have one of our favorite guests. And this is like the perfect time to have on a guest. Sometimes I just like randomly think of someone and I'm like, oh, I'll have them on this week. This was this was calculated when I, you know, in the season of slop, in the season of the trade deadline, there is only one person to bring on. When we're talking Sixers slop, and it's Trill Bro Dude. We are pumped to have Trill Bro Dude on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Trill Bro Dude. Subscribe on his Patreon. Check out his streams on Playback. Check out his pod, the You Know Ball pod. Trill, how we doing? Doing great. I am uh, feeling very excited because I thought it was going to be a slow NBA trade deadline. And now I've realized that that is a thing of the past because... <laughs> Kyrie Irving requested a trade yesterday, and I don't know if he's going to get traded in the next week. 
but uh, things are always entertaining at this time of year. And I think it's, it's too good for business for the trade deadline to be slow again because people care more about this stuff than they do about the NBA Finals. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent true. The I, you know, the NBA off season and the NBA trade deadline has become, you know, the the days that probably get the most engagement on NBA Twitter, at least. So, uh, definitely, yep. definitely, kind of become a, a key part of the sport more than any of the other sports. Uh, so, uh, it did feel like we were in a slop shortage there uh, when we were talking on the on the Sixers Nuggets stream. I was saying, you know, we are in like it's like the Great Slop Depression. Um, we were like yeah. back in the, back in the 1920s, but yeah. And then Kyrie <laughs> turned the slop up to, to, up to 11, obviously yesterday. And, uh, it came out during, you know, during the afternoon, just out of nowhere after he spent the day posting, you know, anti-vax clips on his Instagram story. And, you know, who knows if there's any correlation there between that and the Nets. Love Kyrie. It's Pretty insane. Cool. It's just absolutely insane. What was your uh, reaction and kind of what are your thoughts on the Kyrie situation before we get into any Sixers stuff? Uh, so, first off, I don't know if you noticed this, but someone pointed this out. This time last year, he, uh, uh, I should say, the Brooklyn Nets also had a situation with one James Harden <laughs> the Friday before the trade deadline, Sham Sharania reporting that they were open to dealing James Harden prior to the trade deadline, and he ended up on the Philadelphia 76ers, as we know. So Friday before the trade deadline, not a great time to be a Brooklyn Nets fan. Uh, it is the second straight year, the third trade request in a year from one of their stars. Um, I personally think that it's just going to be hard to find a deal in a week. Like, these kind of things usually... Like the Harden thing, I think that the Nets had kind of this idea in their mind when we were about a month out from the deadline that Harden could want out after the season. And I think that they they had some ideas on who they could potentially acquire. I don't think that this was something that they had planned for at all. I think that Kyrie shocked everyone by doing this, including all of us and Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets front office. So I don't really think that they had any ideas in their brain other than, well, maybe if things go south this season, we can take Russell Westbrook in the two picks from the Lakers. But now that might not even be on the table. And if that's the case, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets personally, I'm just kind of riding this out for the season and saying, we'll figure it out after the year, whether it has to be a sign and trade or we lose them in free agency. We still have a shot at winning the East. We, I would bet on him staying with the Nets through the deadline, but I'm like 60-40 on that. I think there's a 40% chance he gets dealt in the next week, and that 40% chance he either ends up on the Mavericks or the Lakers. And I think maybe one of those picks from that plus Russell Westbrook uh, would get the deal done um, from the Lakers' perspective. And then if you're looking at it for the Mavericks, because they're in a situation where Luka needs a co-star, they're, the West is wide open right now. He has a relationship with Nico Harrison, who is their general manager. He used to, Nico used to work for Nike, and Kyrie and him had a good relationship. And Mark Cuban, you know, has kind of messed things up there. The mm -hmm. last year, let Jalen Brunson walk, didn't extend him originally. And now he basically, I, I think the clock is ticking on a Luka Doncic potential trade request within three or four years. And if that mm -hmm. is the case, you need to do everything that you can to try to contend for championships. 
So I think that they, if, if they're involved, it sounds like Mark Stein was saying yesterday they're interested, and Spencer Dinwiddie was one of the guys that was mentioned. I would imagine it would be like Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and a pick or something, because like Kyrie's value is really low right now, which is why if I were the Nets, I would just try to ride it out. But Mavericks and Lakers are the only ones I see that are like somewhat realistic. So yeah, I, I have a couple more that I was going to pitch at you and just kind of kind of get your input on, and maybe not the likelihood of it happening or how realistic it's happening, but if you were those teams, would you think about it? And I think the Lakers and Mavs, well, here's the thing. I think you have to be dealing from a point of desperation to, to want Kyrie Irving and to, to kind of be willing to drop the Kyrie atom bomb of risk that acquiring Kyrie has not on your on-court product, but on the off-the-court and everything that comes with it. The Lakers and Mavs obviously have that desperation. The Lakers, LeBron's not a young, you know, he's not, what is he, 38, 37? I somehow don't know that off the top of my head. Um, but he's up there in age. There's not going to be too many of these prime LeBron years left. With the Mavs, like you said, Mark Cuban should, you know, I think it, I think he's committed war crimes, uh, as you would say, um, in terms of the, <laughs> in terms of the roster he's put around Luca. I, I think that that man should be in prison. I think Luca should have demanded a trade, uh, already, to be quite honest. Um, I think the Mavs, I think that roster is a joke. And I think the roster that made the Western Conference final was a joke, but at least they had Jalen Brunson and then they let him walk. I just think they have no, they have no avenue for a second star. So I think they should be aggressive. Um, even, and I'm as negative negative on Kyrie as you'll find, but I, I do think those two teams should at least try to go and get them and give up a pick to go and do it. But there's a couple teams more that I've heard that that other people have mentioned. So I'll throw one by one at you. The Clippers, obviously people kind of mentioned them and I think they're at a point of desperation too, because I think we're probably getting pretty close to a time where one of Kawhi or Paul George says, this isn't working. I want out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, does trying to trade for Kyrie do anything? And they probably wouldn't have to give up anything that would affect them too much on their roster this season. Is that something they should look into? So if the price is as low as what, like, Dallas and, and the Lakers are willing to offer, which is, like, a salary filler, maybe one good or two good role players and a first-round pick, then, yeah, I think the Clippers should definitely be interested. I think, like, you try to do it. Um, if you're if you're basically you know that the Nets want to trade Kyrie and they have no really good offers, you're trying to do this deal without giving up Terrence Mann. But that would really be the main guy I would imagine that the Nets would want because he's young and he's a good player and uh, you know you he's someone that you can kind of at least sell the fans as like, hey, we at least got this nice young player that fits with Kevin Durant and who knows what's going on with Ben Simmons, but in theory, could fit with him and, and Nick Claxton, and we can have a younger core around KD and blah, blah, blah. So if you're the Clippers, is something like, I don't know, they have so many mid-sized salaries that it would make it pretty easy for them. Dallas and the Clippers are kind of similar in that they have a, for salary matching purposes, they can send back multiple guys that make in that 10 to $20 million range. Marcus Morris, uh, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, they have plenty of guys that are in that mold. So if it's like Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, and your 2029 first, I think, and then maybe Robert Covington just to make the money work, or John Wall or whoever, they could maybe buy them out if, if, if the Nets don't want them. Then I think that's something you have to consider because their back is really against the wall, as mm -hmm. you said. And I think that this, with once again, with the West being this wide open, 
And the fact that they're in the L.A. market is such an advantage to me because I don't think many teams are, are dying at the opportunity to give Kyrie Irving a five-year max that he wants. And fully guaranteed, like with the fact that he has played so few games since 2019, it's crazy. He's played less games than Kristaps Porzingis since 2019, someone pointed out on Twitter. So, like, here's a guy that's only played, like, 140-some games in the last three or four years, and you want a five-year max contract. But the thing is, if you're the Clippers, they don't care about spending money. They're in the biggest market, the, the market that we think he wants to play in if he wants to go to the Lakers. And they might have the best chance at being a team that can acquire him and kind of going all in on this season. And then if you if you flame out whatever, you can always trade Paul George and recruit some of the value that you lost from that anyway. So, like, I, I'm kind of in the mindset that the Clippers should be a team that should be interested. I would say I, I think they're a good addition. There were there were a few other teams I had thought of, but those three seemed very realistic to me. And then, uh, so I, yeah, I've got a couple more. One is a like a super slop war crime, to be quite honest, that I that I committed uh, in the trade machine that I wanted to throw at you. Um, but the other two that I don't know if these two have their backs against the wall. So this one's a little interesting. Uh, the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns. I think in Miami, sure. I, I haven't looked too far into their pick situations for Miami or Phoenix, but, um, let's say Miami's probably Kyle Lowry. And if they have any picks or anything else they could throw in, that's what it is. With Phoenix, it's probably a Chris Paul situation. And that's something maybe you can sell Kevin Durant on a little better. I don't know if that's something sure. Phoenix would even entertain. Is that something either of those do either of those sound at all interesting? So those were the only other two teams that we talked about yesterday when we did this because Miami was the one that came to my brain. Now, let's say that uh, ownership with their uh, background might not want to align themselves with someone like Kyrie Irving just based on some things he said in the past, let's say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not sure if he's really a heat culture guy, quote unquote. But from the perspective of they're kind of in the same boat as the Clippers. Now, do I think that they have the urgency that the Clippers have? No, they have two really good young players in Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, and they have a little bit more flexibility. The only thing that really sucks for them is the fact that they have that Duncan Robinson contract that they can't really move off. But otherwise, they're pretty flexible. The only thing you're really worried about is Jimmy asking out after the season, which you know is a possibility if Miami doesn't go far in the playoffs, but I do think that he really likes it there and does want to stay there, it Mm -hmm. seems like. So, I would say like, they should be interested. Uh, I, I mean, I would imagine, yes. It's probably Kyle Lowry, one of their mid-tier young guys. So, like, Gabe Vincent or Max Struess or something like that. And then they have two first-round picks they can trade. So, they have a pick now, and then they have a pick in a few years. So, they could really, if, if Brooklyn is looking to recoup some value in terms of picks, they could do that. And then I personally think that the Heat should be higher on the list. Like, I, I, you could make the argument that they, they need Kyrie just as much as, like, anyone else in the league in terms of they've really hit their ceiling as a team to me. Like, they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They made it to the Bubble Finals. And I just don't see them winning a championship with this core unless they really add another star. And Kyrie when you can actually get him to play games, is a star. So that is a that would be a fantastic fit for me. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know if the off-the-court stuff would make it so that, uh, that that doesn't really work for them. But certainly on the court, it would be a great fit. And then the Suns, the Suns, I personally think I would probably, if I were the Suns, I would just wait this out. Like, I know that I've kind of been more on the, 
I know it, it seems insane because, oh, well, Chris Paul's like 38 and declining, and DeAndre Ayton, the situation's not great, and Crowder, you're not going to get a ton of value back from him. But I've kind of been looking at them like they kind of fell apart since Devin Booker got hurt. Now they've been playing better recently. Michael Bridges has been stepping up for them. But I'm kind of looking at their situation like I'm not making an OG and an OB or Kyrie Irving trade if I think we can get to the offseason and we're back in the conversation for Kevin Durant. Like, that's the way I would look at it. Because I maybe if, if Kyrie and KD express that they want to play together again, but if you're trading some of your picks or mm-hmm. some of your young players for Kyrie along with Chris Paul, um, I do think that there's a chance that you might not have enough left in the cupboard for Kevin Durant in the summer. So, like, if I were them, especially because Devin, like, I don't know. People keep talking about Devin Booker like he's going to come back and be totally fine. He has a hamstring injury. Yeah. And we know the history of hamstring injuries. You know, he is younger than these guys. But, like, James Harden was not right for a year. Uh, Chris Paul was not right for a year. Like, these things can linger. And I'm not making this my all-in push-in-the-chips year if I'm Phoenix. Because I think that after the season, they still have flexibility. They still have moves that they can make because they have all of their picks. So I'm waiting to see if I can get in the conversation for Kevin Durant because I think that trade request is right around the corner, and I would put them at number one in terms of likelihood because Durant loves Booker. And then also on top of that, they have – like you could offer Mikael Bridges, DeAndre, and then every pick and get Kevin Durant, and then you're a championship contender for the next three or four years, mm-hmm. and you could legitimately win the West all of those years. So I'm I'm waiting if I'm them. I'm not making a Kyrie or an OG kind of trade. I'm not doing a half measure of and then my my favorite one here. This is one I created, and I don't. This is not going to happen. But oh boy, the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> I've heard them. D'Angelo Russell and Rudy Gobert for Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons and Cat. Oh Kat, my god. Ben Simmons and Cat are best friends. Minnesota gets off the Rudy Gobert travesty of a contract and trade that they did. Um, Brooklyn can sell themselves on getting a you know, bazillion time all-star and defensive player of the year and sell that to their dumb fan base um, and tell them Rudy Gobert is actually good. Uh, and then, you know, you can convince your Stilo back to Brooklyn. It makes makes too much sense. So it, it, that is a funny trade. I, I love these trades that are like, hey, we made a mistake and you made a mistake. Let's just swap <laughs> them. That seems like it happens a lot in these fake trades. Um the one thing I would say from Minnesota's perspective is I probably wouldn't do a trade like that unless I'm just really desperate to get off of the Gobert deal, which, look, maybe they are. I, I think since Carl Anthony Towns got hurt, they've been playing better. They're actually have a, if I remember correctly, yeah. they have like two more wins without him than like in terms of record. I believe they were 500 with him and they're two, two above 500 without him. So I personally think if you're Minnesota, you might just want to ride this year out, too, and just kind of see what happens. Maybe you trade D'Angelo Russell at the deadline, but he's been playing really well for them recently. So it is it is tough to just be like, all right, we're going to get rid of this guy who's been playing great for us. He's on a, a little bit of a heater right now. Um, and also, like, is Kyrie going to re-sign in Minnesota? Because I don't think he is. <laughs> Probably not. That's Probably not. And then you're stuck with Ben Simmons. So, like, <laughs> so you basically just got rid of Gobert, who, look, with all of his flaws, Gobert is a better NBA player than Ben Simmons yeah. right now. Ben Simmons yeah. is a shell of himself. And D'Angelo Russell, with all of his flaws, is a better player than Ben Simmons right now. So I would look at it more like, unless you know that him and Ant love each other, 
and they want to play together for five years or whatever, I'm not making that kind of move if I'm Minnesota. I'm probably reassessing things, and I'm more open to the idea of moving Carl Anthony Towns this offseason mm-hmm. than most people. Uh, be a I, just think that, I just think that his like contract is so... I don't think people realize that he's going to be like the highest paid player in NBA history, and he has only made like three All Star teams. Like <laughs> he's a good player, but like he's not the guy you pay all of this money. And I think before people realize how much money it is and how bad that contract is going to age, I would try to get off that contract this summer and then rebuild around Anthony Edwards doing that and compete with the other guys that I have on my roster. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I only did it because of the Ben Cat connection, and you know, theoretically, sure. the Kyrie Ant Ben Cat I don't know Nas Reed or whoever you want to say lineup in theory is probably better than what they have now. But I don't know. That might that might be that's probably giving Kyrie a little too much credit on the court. Maybe I I don't know. Well, not, well, Nas Reed is going to be a Sixers. So that's you don't fair. Have to worry about him. So that's a perfect segue to Sixers slop is Nas Reed at the top of your backup five wish list oh the top of it um realistic ones probably um I don't really think there are a ton of guys now look there are guys that are four fives that I might have like I would probably have Jared Vanderbilt higher than him but Jared Vanderbilt is really a power forward that plays small ball center occasionally Mm -hmm. Nas Reed is a pure five like He's not going to play with Joel Embiid, but he will be able to play the 10 to 15 minutes a game when Joel Embiid goes to the bench. Uh, It really just depends to me how much you have to give up to trade for him because he is an expiring. There are a lot of teams interested, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So most likely, if you're the Sixers and you're trading for Nas Reed, there's two reasons why you do it. One, because the backup center issue is just continues to be a problem, has always been a problem. And two is the fact that you're making your push to go all in this year and you want to save money because he's on a minimum deal right now. So this year, you probably save money in any trade that you made for Nas Reed, uh, and it would allow you to maybe even dip under the tax. And he's a good player, so you can, and he's a young player, so you can sell the fans on that. The only issue is he would almost definitely be a rental because they're not going to pay a backup center when Joel Embiid is going into the first year of his Supermax next year a ton of money. Uh, and also, Nas might want to start on other teams. Like mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who just owned Draymond Green, one of the best defenders of all time, the other night. And I think Nas is an ideal offensive center for the modern NBA. He can shoot. He's you know He, he can score inside. He's a decent rebounder. Uh, you know, I think that he would be a great fit. He's basically what you want from Montrez Harrell right now uh, on offense, uh, but he does have a lot of defensive issues as well. I don't think he's quite as bad on that end as Montrez, but he's certainly not a great defensive center. And if you don't have a great defensive center in the playoffs, uh, you know, what do you really have? Because the, the history has shown that non-defensive centers, like that, that not being their specialty, they can really struggle in the playoffs. I personally, if the price was low enough where it was like, we have the Hornets second round pick. If you just had to give up the Hornets second round pick and like a player to match the salary, I would consider doing it. Uh, you know, if you start to cut into your rotation guys like Seibel and Shake, that's more where I'm like, maybe we could just try to find an alternative, like an Andre Drummond reunion where you don't have to give up as much or, you know, go out there and just find someone else. 
I don't think they're going to get Daniel Gafford, but he's another guy that's on that list of, of, of backup bigs that I've been interested in. Isaiah Hartenstein from the Knicks. Those kind of guys. Now, they make a little bit more money. Gafford's going into a bigger deal next year. But long story short here, I think that they should be looking at the guys that make very little money, like Nas Reed, because it's easy for salary matching. Andre Drummond, he, he makes three mil a year. And then try to, if possible, find a wing that's playable somewhere out there, whether it's a Tory Craig or someone, my buddy Dave Early from Liberty Bowlers just brought up, Nikhil Alexander-Walker from the Jazz. There are a lot of guys that could be Javante Green from the Bulls, uh, J, uh, not Jaden McDaniels, but Jalen McDaniels from the Hornets. I would try to get an extra playable bench wing at this deadline and then – I would focus more on trying to get a cheaper center like Nas Reed or Andre Drummond if possible. And then uh, I've got a verbal meme to throw to you, Trill. A little, I don't know, this doesn't work out. This is not good radio. But I, again, I, I didn't go to radio school. So uh, I, I've got a verbal meme. Tired? Mo Bamba attacking Austin Rivers means we won't trade for Mo Bamba. Wired? <laughs> Mo Bamba attacking Austin Rivers means Doc Rivers just found a new son and fell in love with him. So Mo Bamba might be a sixer now. It's true. We know we know that they they, they don't have the best relationship, Austin and Doc. I mean, he respects the spirit of Mo Bamba. I mean, look, it's not very often you can trade for someone that has a song named after them, which is a big part of why I think people think that Mo Bamba's really good. Now, as we've discussed, I'm not a big Mo Bamba guy, but if once again, the reason why I wouldn't want to trade for Mo Bamba is only because the fact that he makes like $10 million this year. And then like, unless we're just giving up like Cork Moss and Daniel house and a second round pick somehow, which I don't think the magic would do, then, then we can talk. Okay. Cause you're not touching your rotation and you're getting a, a solid backup center. But the, if Bamba was making 5 million, I would be in on taking those kind of flyers. Cause I do think that he's ultimately, all of these guys are going to be more playable than Montrez Harrell in the playoffs. And even Paul Reed, who look, I love B-ball Paul. He's been one of my favorite young guys on the team the past few years. He can really have a defensive impact when he can stay on the court. But when you're fouling eight times per 36 minutes, you're just not staying on the court. So, I'm look, I'm open to all different – people get mad at me when I say – because I used to be a cyber critic, and I used to, I used to like kind of criticize him and say he can't play in the playoffs and whatever. And then when it proved to be true, I was like, I feel like I'm vindicated, but now I feel like you can't trade him because his value is so mm-hmm. low. But when people are like, you got to move on, you got to move on, I'm like, look, I'm open to alternatives. I'm open to anything at the trade deadline. But I want to hear what you think is a realistic, like, alternative, basically. Yeah. And uh, guys like Mobaba, like, I just don't think that we really have the juice to acquire them due to the money and, and the salary matching. But I, once again, it's flop season. You could sell me basically on anyone. I will just say, and this is my way to sell you. Mo Bamba's plus seven on net right now. Plus seven net rating for Mo Bamba right now. People are sleeping. Mo Bamba, you know I have a type. Rim-protecting yep. bigs who can shoot threes, they get me every single time. So uh, Mo Bamba, I- I'm all the way in. And him fighting Austin Rivers just strengthens that point for me. Um, <laughs> you, want a, you want a zero calorie Miles Turner, basically. <laughs> you, you just brought in... You just brought up my like my archetype of like my ideal center if I don't have Joel Embiid on my roster. Like if I was 
If I was an NBA, if I was any other NBA GM that didn't have Embiid or Jokic, I would have traded for Miles Turner seven times over the last four years. Uh, but that's down to the table for the Pelicans ever since they traded for Stephen Adams a few years ago. I'm like, you have Zion Williamson. What does Zion Williamson need? Yeah. Don't, well, don't someone who can protect the rim behind him, and then someone who can shoot threes on the other side. Why are you not trading for Miles Turner? And they never did, and now the Pacers are going to benefit from that. They're going to have another uh, two more years of having a, one of the ten best centers in the NBA on like a decent contract. Well, yeah. Why? I mean, why would you want to give Luka Doncic an uh, elite rim protector who could work in the pick and roll with him a little bit and be a lob threat? I mean, why would you want to give Luka Doncic a good basketball player to play with? I mean, I, I for one, like giving Luka Doncic bad basketball play. I, I, I won't. I won't talk too much more about the mess. Mark Cuban should be in prison. Uh, it's so should so should Haralabob. So throw them both in the same cell. Um, but anyway, I've got someone in the studio with me, John Jansen. He hosts the line change here on the Gambler. John Jansen, I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever talked to Trill Bread, dude. A little bit. Last time you had him on, okay, one yeah, of the times yeah, you had him yeah. on, we just a little bit. Yeah, that's that's right. Which you still do a great job with that. I know. Jansen's, it's still the funniest tweets I see. Every it's time great. I have Jansen on, or every time I have you on, Jansen's like, "Whoa, you got Trill Bread, yeah, dude, on!" Fantastic so I, I, I gotta let Jansen. But ask I, a I need to pick your brain a bit because I can't figure out why why Nikola Jokic is the first athlete in my entire lifetime is just untouchable when it comes to an MVP award. We've done it with quarterbacks in the NFL where we don't want to give it to him too many times. Uh, we've done LeBron. it to NBA players. We've done it to LeBron. How is he avoiding that? How is he avoiding, I guess, voter fatigue? And what is it going to take for people to just stop it with Jokic? What What is it going to take? Well, it feels like the goalposts are always moving with him. Or mm-hmm. like two years ago, it was like, well, he had the most games played, right? Like, how could we give it to LeBron or Embiid because they didn't play enough? And also, Giannis, he's already won two in a row, so we can't give it to him a third time, right? And then it's like, okay, all right, that's your argument. Then the next year, it's like, well, he has no help. Mm-hmm. He's got no help, and he's got a top three seed in the Western Conference, like, you got to give it to him. And it's like, okay, all right, second straight year, games played things, uh, all right, first year, second year is he has no help. This year he has help, and he's having uh, admittedly a historical efficiency offensive season. Um, and now the Nuggets are in first place in a conference that I don't think people realize is not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've been calling it the great Midwest all season, like <laughs> mid West. Uh, and I think that uh, it, 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 it's probably a combination of the fact that um, he is he is one of the best offensive players of all time, and especially in the regular season, is like pretty much unstoppable uh, in you know eighty to ninety percent of the games that he plays, and he's an incredible player. But I do think that he definitely benefits from uh, having two corners of of people in his uh, or people in his corner, I should say. The analytics crowd, every analytic is always going to love Jokic because he's a really good rebounder, he's a really good passer, and he's an efficient scorer. So those are the things that analytics really favor. They don't like high turnover guys. They don't like guys who can't make, uh, who can't get rebounds and, and, you know, shoot and score efficiently. And then he also has the Boston Media Mafia behind him and Bill Simmons. So he has the like backing of, you know, we make fun of, uh, we make fun of Zach Bill all the time. I love Zach, but we make fun of Zach Lowe and, and Bill Simmons all the time. But 
You know, those two are more influential on NBA voters than literally any people in the history of NBA media. Like Zach, there are there was a Minnesota Timberwolves reporter last year who said, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but like I know people that don't like they. I'm a beat writer for let's say the Cleveland Cavaliers or the you know Orlando Magic. I don't have time to watch every team in the NBA, so I'm just going based on analytics and what Zach Lowe says. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are players that voted for Defensive Player of the Year, all defense teams, all NBA teams, based on what Zach Lowe says and what analytics say. And, look, Zach finally said, I think that it has shifted a little bit, and I think that Embiid should be considered after that matchup with Jokic and that I think that they're basically neck and neck again. But it, it does feel as though he is untouchable because he has so many backers in the media and in the analytics community. And, look, if, he, if, this were, if this were an isolated thing and this was the season he was having the first time, I would say give him the MVP. But like, I just don't understand why there isn't fatigue for this one guy. It, just, it doesn't make any sense in my brain. There was always fatigue for everyone else since, I believe, Larry Bird was the last one that won it three times in a row. And, and, and we're making an exception. It, it makes no sense. Like, I, I watched LeBron James lose an MVP to Derrick Rose, and it was a joke. Like, I just, I don't really understand why Jokic is just, like, the exception to this rule. Yeah, it, I, I totally agree with you. As you heard me, it was funny. As We watched uh, Nugget Sixers last weekend, obviously, on the playback, and um, I, for the first three and a half quarters, I feel like I was I was diplomatic. You know, I wasn't uh, yelling about Jokic, and I wasn't being a crazy person. But as the game got close for the last six minutes, I just resorted to calling him fat over and over and, <laughs> and just yelling, yelling mean things yeah. at him. And okay. Mark, you know me. I'm more of like I like Jokic. Like yeah. I think he's really like I'm not like a Jokic hater by any means, but I do see the complete double standard that's happening when the two greatest players of all time don't get the benefit of the doubt that this guy does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's the thing. I don't hate Jokic in particular. I just hate the people and the way that they they just kind of let sure. this guy have because uh, in ten years from now we're probably going to look at Jokic and go that run was incredible, but not at any point. I think his career. I think he's a great player. I think he's like top five, whatever you want to say. Great player. But I don't think at any point I would say he was the best player of that era or that I was watching. And that yeah. feels just wrong to me to give him all of these accolades when you, I think LeBron's the best point. Everybody wanted to shy away from it. Everyone kind of – and everybody hated LeBron because he kept winning so many yeah. things and so good. I just, I, I just don't get how he doesn't get – the same treatment and this yeah. right, this double standard. The, the issue isn't with Jokic. The issue is with the media's yeah, treatment really. of yeah. Jokic, and I think that's, that's Joel's it. thing too. I don't think Joel has a problem with Jokic. I think he's got an issue with the sure. the way that he's treated. But um, speaking of the way that Sixers are treated in the media, my last question for you, Trill. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about James Harden uh, getting left off of the All Star team, averaging twenty one and eleven on the team with the fourth best record in the NBA. That has won, I believe, now twenty one of their last twenty six or twenty two of their last twenty seven, whatever that number is now. And he is left off for Drew Holiday on the Bucks, who uh, is not comparably, uh, not statistically comparable at all. And then Demar Derozan, who is on a, a terrible Bulls team. Uh, what were your thoughts? What were your reaction on the live stream? Yeah, we did a live stream on playback that night because we had a few people request it. The snubbed from the team. Uh, you know, I, I, it is hard for me to kind of 
uh, wrap my brain around the fact that I feel like, like to me, like, look, I, I think Halliburton deserves it for sure. Uh, I think that uh, him and Harden, it probably came down to those two. After the coaches picked their favorite coaches, pet, Drew Holiday, former Sixer, who actually probably should have made an all-star team sometime between when he was on the Sixers and now. Yeah. But this was the time they decided to give it to him for some reason. Um, I, I thought it was ridiculous. I think that I think that the narrative has shifted so far on Harden because of off the court stuff, and because once again, Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe, anytime <laughs> they bring up him, they can't stop talking about it. Well, I know this was the coaches. Well, hey, but hey, the narrative, Bobby Marks, le- Bobby Marks left him off the team because he saw that one Thunder game, and you know, if you have a bad game when Bobby Marks is watching, that's actually one of the one of the rules in the All Star book. You're not allowed to you're not allowed to make yeah. a team if Bobby Marks is watching when you have a bad game. Yeah, and also uh, a Thunder team that scored 150 points like a week before against the number one seed Boston Celtics, <laughs> who had two all-stars on the team. And by the way, Shea Gilgis-Alexander didn't play in that Thunder game, but Harden's individual defense was so bad in that Thunder game that it made it so that Bobby Marks couldn't even consider him for the all-star game. And to Zach Lowe's credit, he kind of shifted over the course of uh, the last month and was like, Harden deserves to be on the all-star team. Like He's been one of the... 20 best players in the NBA this year to say otherwise is ridiculous. You know, one of the, he's going to end up having one of the, what, 30, 20 and 10 seasons that we've ever had. And only four of those guys, including Harden have missed the all-star game. You know, I know there's been a stat inflation recently and it's not the perfect comparison, but his stats are better than Steve Nash, except for the efficiency scoring wise are better than Steve Nash. The year that he won MVP back to back. So like, I know that we have had an inflation in stats and everyone has good stats right now, but there's no way you can tell me that DeMar DeRozan and Drew Holiday are having better seasons and, and, and more impact on their teams than James Harden this year. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it's a snub. And honestly, I hope he does take it personally. And I hope that, uh, you know, all of this, this snubbing with Joel and with Harden, uh, you know, motivates them for a, a playoff run that we feel like we've been, uh, we, we deserve. <laughs> And that is a perfect way to leave it off. Trillbro Dude, you can follow him on Twitter at Trillbro Dude, and you can check out his podcast, The You Know Ball Pod. Check out his streams on Playback. Subscribe on Patreon. Always great stuff. And this next couple days, I think the deadline's on the 9th, I believe. So this next, yeah, this next five or so days, busy, busy times for Trill. So thanks for making some time for us. Thanks for having me again. Go, birds. Go birds! Yeah, we didn't even get to the birds. Oh man, I forgot. I always think of Trill, just such such a slop god, such a basketball guy. I always forget we can we can talk birds. But coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Sixers, a little bit more about the Eagles. So keep it locked to the Tough Cover Radio Show right here on the Gambler.
closing it down here on the Tough Cover Radio Show, right here on the Gambler. Before we send it over to is it Green Legion Radio at one o'clock, John uh, Jansen? Yeah, it's like the Fryer Place. The Fryer Place. Irving yeah. Fryer. Yeah. I said I was talking to Kyle about this last week. I always I always call it Green Legion, but yeah, Fryer the same, Place under the same family, all yeah. in the family. Yeah, that's what we were saying last week. He was saying it's okay, and he's he's a Green Legion guy, so I feel yeah, like I got hey. the I got the okay from we him. We got Quimby. So, yeah. Quimby's gonna be live oh, at yeah. two o'clock. So. Two o'clock, um, and then you've you you obviously have Villanova seven o'clock pregame, seven thirty game. Just you is Joe Tanzi. Joe Tanzi will be on it as well. Yeah, there so we Joe go. will be Joe will be helping me out during the pre and halftime show. I saw Joe Tanzi was labeled as uh, the Gamblers hashtag everything expert yesterday. Everything expert, probably. That's yeah. what Sean Bruce I would said. say. So. Yeah, I took offense for a second, and I was like, I don't like. I'm not. I don't like like half the sports. I am. So. I'm a football and baseball better mostly. I'm football, baseball, basketball, but and then, March Madness better. But, but everybody then is. I'm like a draft guy and a WWE guy. But that even though Nick Pacone, yeah, that's right. You Nick are Pacone a draft won't guy. let me on the roundtables. I don't know what I got to do. Those are, I don't know I who know, I got to hit with that's a my chair. Call. I know. I'm. That's my call. I. I don't know who I got to hit with a chair. Who give me the you know acknowledge me? But no. <laughs> any, anyway, we'll move on. Um, we're, well, let's talk a little bit about the Sixers because, uh, I think so much, we're, we're going to talk about the Eagles in just a bit and I have donkey brains to give out that relate to the Eagles. Um, but Sixers coming up here, trade deadline coming up in just a few days. And I, I think that there's not a lot to say. I, I think some people are going to want to trade Matisse or some people are going to want to make the trade to get the wing that probably doesn't exist. Like, I, I think that. In my opinion, the only thing that they should be looking into upgrading is the backup five. So that's kind of why I focused on that with Trill. And I think we talked about some of the names. I think there's Naz Reed. I think there's Mo Bamba. I think there's Mason Plumley, Nick Richards. Um, I, I think there's a lot of options. That Serge Ibaka. There, there's a lot of names that you could throw out there that could fit what we're looking for. But the one that makes the most sense and the one that I think would make the most people happy is probably hitting up the Chicago Bulls and getting Andre Drummond, who was our backup center last year and was very passable as our backup center before we had to trade him in the James Harden deal. Chicago, he has fallen out of the rotation for. Um, they have weirdly like five centers on that roster. So Vucevic gets so many minutes. There's only about 12 minutes for the rest of the centers. And um, I, I believe that's going to someone that they're kind of playing in a bit of a small ball role. So Drummond doesn't seem to fit Billy Donovan's system. I think he's the perfect James Harden backup five where he won't kill you on defense and he's, he'll be a good rebounder and he'll kind of fix that rebounding issue. That's very clearly the Sixers biggest issue. Mo Bamba is my dream scenario, but if we can't get Mo Bamba, uh, I think that Nas Reed and Andre Drummond are two great options. I think Andre Drummond's the most likely option is how I would put it. And we know Daryl values him because clearly he signed him last year to be the backup five. So that's kind of what I lean. If I'm, if you're going to force me to make a prediction on what I think happens here at the deadline, I think they make a very small trade, maybe using that second round pick and they get Andre Drummond. So that would be my trade uh, prediction. But you, you wanted to talk a little bit about, wow, a, Tremendous block in the Gosh, Kansas Iowa State Blocked into the abyss. Good Lord. Even though Iowa State's up 12 in that game, Kansas not looking, you know, Kansas has been so up and down. It's funny to say because they're 18 and 4, but um, they've been very up and down for a national champion 
contender and a defending national champion. We'll see if they can turn it around in the second half and throughout the rest of this season before we head in to March Madness. But we were talking a lot about the MVP conversation and about Jokic and about some of the reasons that voter fatigue hasn't gotten to him. And I think that I think Trill put it in a lot of great terms in terms of the analytic community being behind him and the Boston media mafia being behind him. And I think that there's starting to be too much of a shift in the NBA where people are being negative about guys who shoot the ball. Like Pete, like Joel actually goes and shoots. Joel tries to take the onus on him to score for his team. Whereas Jokic has these games where he shoots 10 times where I saw people making excuses for Jokic in that Sixers Nuggets game where Embiid had 47 and Jokic had 24 where people were saying, Oh, well, Jokic only shot nine times. Shoot more. <laughs> that's it. That's his choice. Yeah. Like you're allowed to shoot more than nine times. Like then maybe you shouldn't be a coward. Like that was my response on Twitter and people weren't happy about that, obviously. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think that there's just become an over obsession with efficiency and over obsession with the, the usage percentage and whether that, and I, I think this goes beyond them being Jokic. This, and I have this argument with my, with my buddy Pat Moran, who, who's a big time nerd all, all the time. And I say that lovingly, Pat, if I'm, I'm sure you're not listening, but if you are, um, Pat is, is an analytics guy and Pat is coming out big time against Giannis this year because a lot of the analytic numbers say that Giannis is shooting too much and, um, controlling the ball too much, dribbling the air out of the ball a little bit too much. And, um, and, uh, and all these negative things. And he's not quite as efficient, quite as dominant as he's been in years past. The thing is, the Bucks have the second best record in the NBA. Chris Middleton's missed a ton of time. Drew Holiday's missed a little bit of time. And Giannis has been the reason that they have stayed afloat as a top four team, a top three team in the NBA. And I'm willing to let him, his usage percentage be a little higher. I'm willing to let him shoot a little bit more because he has to take on that onus. He has to take on that pressure to be the number one dominant player on his team and to will your team to victory. And a lot of the it's similar to some of the Vikings and Giants conversations we had this year because their point differential suggests they're more of a top 10 team than a top two to three team. And they've won a lot of close games to me. I'd say that's, that's more of a, an indictment of the team overall, but probably an endorsement of Giannis. Yeah. And I, I think analytics are just being used a little too heavily and incorrectly. And I'll point to another sport where I think, I think they get it right. There's a good balance of, are the numbers matching what you're seeing? I think with analytics, it's not, okay, analytics are telling me. so. It's Can it sometimes validate what I'm seeing? Should yeah. I question things that I'm seeing sometimes based yep. on analytics? I think it's just more of a, of a guideline of something like, okay, maybe I'm seeing something wrong. Or, hey, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, and here's a lot of things to tell me why. But there's things like Jared Goff had a very good season. And based on his analytics – you would have to say he's better if you were just strictly talking analytics than a lot of very good quarterbacks that you wouldn't take yeah. or the Jared Goff over. And I think, again, it's not, that's, that's an extreme example of it, but I think it's the same thing with Jokic of, hey, analytics are good. It's telling you he's a really good player, but also there's got to be a part of you that goes, yeah, he's great, but is he right now better than, you know, Giannis? Yeah. I, Giannis is, a, I think, is a better player than Nikola Jokic. Yeah. The, the analytics, there are some that would tell me Giannis is better than, than Jokic, but if the analytics are telling you Jokic is better, I think you got to question the analytics a little bit of, is this actually correlating to best play? And use the stats that correlate most. Baseball, 
There's a FIP and XFIP. So for a pitcher. And I think that's a good indicator of, okay, is a, is a pitcher playing well over his head? And is, is it, you know, the number going to move? Like, I think there are numbers in baseball, I think, that correlate more to good play than others do. And I think there's in, in football, again, there's, there's analytics and numbers that I think correlate to good play that we look at more. EPA is one of them. And I, I think sometimes even EPA, there are players and quarterbacks over another that I don't think are necessarily better. But in the NBA, I don't, I don't feel like it's gotten to that point yet. I think so, it's just blindly trusting every analytic, which I don't think that's the right thing to do. For me, the way I look at it is I use it as a tiebreaker tool. and, and I use That's it, a great way to look at it, yeah. yeah. And I use it as a confirmation bias tool, like you already said. Like I think that it's something that you use to confirm an opinion or to... Tie, break a tie and i think that that's really what it should be used for I, I think you can kind of make numbers do what you want a lot of the time um but uh, again i love i'm you know i i use numbers most anyone you heard my 14 pick college I, basketball see, i, I love like analytics and, and that's yeah. not me that i'm anti-analytic I mean, i'm same here. Yeah, i'm yeah, sometimes yeah. i'm anti blindly trusting it i'm anti the end-all be-all like war is one stat Get that bleep out of here. I don't care about war. War is a very judgmental stat that I don't think necessarily points to one player. But if it's a close, you know, if, if there's something close and I can't find the number or, you know, there's other things saying you know, guys are close, then I'll use war. Then you're right. I use it as a tiebreaker. I use it as something that maybe, okay, that could push me over the edge. But the, the end all be all, there's no, uh, there's no stat in the history of stats and analytics that is going to be an end all be all. Yeah. There will never sure. be one. And I, sure. I think the NBA, people are still using some of those analytics as that. Like, don't do that. That's not so, that's not what that I think analytics their application should be used for. Something that is the end all be all is the donkey brains of the week. And when I give someone the donkey brains of the week, I am the preeminent source. I don't have the donkey brain sound, so I, I have to apologize to the audience that I don't have uh, uh, I I guess I'll just have to do it anytime okay. <laughs> any anytime we have the drop. How do we know you? Not a donkey brained man. That's really good. I, I've that watched, was very good. I've watched a lot of Sunny. Um, but yeah, I I, I definitely I'll, I'll have to drop another one at the end of the segment. But <laughs> the donkey brains of the week go to an. Uh, this is the first. These are first time recipients, and these are two people I'm a big fan of. And I hate to cross pollinate and no free ads, but everyone knows. Follow me on Twitter that I interact a lot with the Barstool Sports guys. I interact a lot with the Pick Central guys. Um, I've been on the show. About a year ago, I went to the show up in New York City for Pick Central. That was a year ago. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's you know time flies. That's what I was just thinking when we were when I was talking to Kyle about the podcast. I was like, when did we do that podcast? I was like, 2020. It was actually 2021. Um, so yeah, that that was about a year ago that I went up there in December. Um, and I am going to give the donkey brains of the week to my guys, Brandon Walker, and to Marty Mush, Martin Archibald Mush. Uh, those two guys get the donkey brains of the week. For the coverage that they've had of the Philadelphia Eagles during this playoff run and especially over this week, um, my problem is if you're going to try to say that the Eagles shouldn't be favored in this game or you're going to try to say that you're picking the Chiefs, I'm fine with that. I think this is a 50-50 Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think... You know, you could convince me on both sides that you have the edge. You, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the baddest man on the planet. So uh, th th I don't have a problem with picking Kansas City, and I don't have a problem with poking holes in Philadelphia. My problem is you can't ride with five different narratives about why the Eagles are a fraud. You can't say, A, 
Mahomes is doubly as good as Jalen Hurts, and that's why the Chiefs are so much better. That might be true, but that doesn't work with some of the other things I'm about to say. B, Smitty, Philadelphia guy from Barstool, brought up how the, the Eagles are clearly much better outside of quarterback. And Brandon Walker got up in arms and said, oh, well, the Chiefs only have two less pro bowlers and two less all pro, all this stuff, and that the Chiefs are more talented. That can't be true. If if Mahomes is doubly as good as Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles are favored by one and a half in the game, I think that that makes it pretty clear that the rest of the roster is more talented than the Chiefs' rest of the roster because Patrick Mahomes is the baddest man on the planet, and you just said he's doubly as good as Jalen Hurts. Then you can't also turn around and say Nick Sirianni, they ranked um, head coaches in the divisional round. Nick Sirianni was eighth on both of their list because, quote, the team he coaches is just so good. There's so much talent. You can't say that and then two weeks later talk about how they're not as talented as the Chiefs outside of quarterback and, and all this stuff. And then you can't turn around and say, D, they haven't played anybody because they're 9-1 and one against teams with a winning record. I'm going to need you to pick a narrative and roll with it because your narratives clash. These things all can't be true when you consider the fact that Jalen Hurts went 16-1 and this year and when you consider the fact that the odds makers out in Vegas, I don't know, John, I think they do a pretty good job. I think the odds makers do a pretty decent job. We're favored in the game. We're favored against Patrick Mahomes, who you can count on about one or two hands the amount of times in the 90 to 100 games he's played in the NFL that he's been an underdog. Because it doesn't happen. There aren't teams that are better than the Chiefs unless there are, and the Eagles are. And that's just how simple it is. And that's not to say that they're going to win. Again, I want to emphasize that. This, that is the note I'll leave you on. And that's a little tease for next week's Super Bowl preview. Um, and I think uh, Sean Brace texted me the prop bowl on Thursday here at the Gambler. Oh, is it Thursday? That's I didn't even said. get that. Whoa. So that might be breaking bowl. news. I, I didn't know if he was upset that I didn't say it yet. And I was saying, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know. But prop bowl Thursday night. Keep that's big news. Keep it locked to the Twitter. Keep it locked to at Fox PHL Gambler. Keep it locked to at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. I'll be talking about it. Keep it locked to at Jay Jansen 34. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Trill. Keep it locked right here. I say keep it locked way too many times, but listen to the Friar Place. <laughs> lock it down right here. <laughs> I need to lock it down. Listen to the Friar Place right here on the Gambler. Coming up next, as always, Gambler Country, Eagles Country. Let's ride. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.